0: it's the Eurodigest here on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Thanks for joining us. Sterling the currency of England's goals as they top Group D. Meanwhile, it's disappointment for Scotland after Luka Modric shows what he and Croatia are capable of at Hampden. And today, the group stage comes to an end with all eyes on Group F. Here for today's Euro Digest, we have the Mirrors assistant sport editor Alex Richards and Chelsea correspondent at Football. London, Adam Newson. Alex, I'll come to you first up. A 1 0 win over the Czech Republic. I suppose the group stage, really, by and large for England, just doing what they needed to get by
1: yeah i think if you if you want to be positive about it it's job done um no goals conceded unbeaten top of the group but apart from that i mean we are looking at it now and the the football's coming home and the we can win this kind of thing has kind of died down quite a little bit with the performances we've seen um look there's there's been some good moments i think um but if you're telling me there's been enough good moments that we can sit here confidently and say England can can get to a final, I'm not so sure. I think it's they've made it look rather difficult. I think all being said and done, um, yes, they haven't conceded, but can we really can we really say that that defence has looked as good as we think it is? You know, we know all about the attacking talent, but again, we've only scored twice. Chances have been somewhat at the premium it's been it's been a a kind of a little tale where we we've kind of had that little confidence knocked and now they've got to pick it back up somehow in, in what is going to be an extremely tough last 16 game even even at Wembley
0: yeah adam what's your take on it i mean two goals in the group stage as alex says we've not conceded but it doesn't really feel as though we're all pumping our chests and blasting three lines anymore
2: no it doesn't and i think yeah as we've said you know two goals is is not enough for this england team given the sort of not not limited opposition but the opposition wasn't of the caliber of maybe the the germany france and portugal group so i think there was an expectation here that england do go out and and play well and play attacking football and that hasn't really happened we haven't really seen what england are trying to do in attack in, in my opinion anywhere i don't think you know, we've seen too much structure in that respect. We've we've got a lot of very good attacking players. And at the moment, you know, the clammiest day was was for Jack Grealish and, and Grealish had some nice moments. But beyond that, there wasn't a great deal of, of actual pattern to how England attacked. And I think that's probably the biggest concern for me is, is going into the knockouts now. I don't see how suddenly England are going to turn up and start producing uh, loads of chances in games because I just haven't seen enough yet from this team that, that suggests they can do it.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be a, sort of a, a big jump, isn't it, Alex? To sort of presume that we've gone through a group where we've struggled to get a few goals, to then all of a sudden, as you say, the runners-up of Group F, who we're likely to face, maybe Portugal, Germany, or, or, or France—a big jump to all of a sudden get to their level.
1: Yeah, certainly, it's, it's a huge upgrade, no matter who of those three they meet. Um, I, I think obviously we will get onto this, um, but if if they get Portugal, I would I would say that they will be more than pleased out of the three because you're then facing a team that's similar to us is rather slightly more pragmatic, doesn't really have such an attacking structure other than those off the cuff moments and and having Ronaldo there to finish moves. Um, But there's no doubt that you perhaps you can take inspiration from them in, in 2016, but the way they got through a group stage, we haven't looked that bad, you know, we've, we've not scored goals, but defensively we have been pretty solid. Um, Jordan Henderson and Harry Maguire both got more minutes under their belts to kind of add to that strength in those um in the midfield and in the defence. So, you know, we, we do have to kind of I know we've started off by saying, oh, it's been difficult. It's been a struggle. But I do think the group stage is just about getting there. It is. That's all. You can't win it in the group stage, but you can get knocked out. And as Scotland saw last night, you can just be sent home. Um we haven't had that. We are very much, you know, into the last 16, top of the group. It should be a better Roses, but it, but it isn't. So, you know, can we, they've got a week now. Can they really kick on? Can they really pick up that level?
0: Yeah, to me, it's felt weird sort of just enjoying watching the tournament, Adam, and the fact that obviously it's being played out across Europe. It's felt as though there's been an energy and a zip about a lot of the games. This last week, we've seen a fair few goals in a lot of the games as well. But then it's almost like, snap, we're back to Wembley, we're back to Euro or World Cup qualifying against substandard opposition. And England are playing at a slower tempo and making things look more difficult than what they are. But taking Alex's point, they're out of the group now. Now it's really where the tournament starts and let's really see what they're made of.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, as, as, as Alex said, you know, Portugal went through the, the group stage at 2016, drawing all three games and they went on to win it. So it's not the end of the world that England haven't uh, pulled up loads of trees at this point. But um, but it will be an interesting test to see who how they step up in, in terms of quality. I mean, you know, no matter who they're going to play from from sort of round of 16, it's going to be good teams. And I'm interested to see what Southgate has to do now because... Does he bring in Maguire for that game? I think he probably does. Does he bring in Jordan Henderson given he he got minutes last night? Perhaps uh, will Mason Mount be available given his current situation? I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised because he's not going to uh, come out of isolation until the Tuesday of the game. So maybe he doesn't play. So maybe that leaves Grealish again. Um, so I think there's going to be quite a lot of big decisions for for Southgate to make over the next few days. Fortunately, he does have that time uh, to do so. And, and as we said, hopefully actually having some time on on the training pitches will benefit England going forward and we'll maybe see a bit more of a coherent defensive and attacking performance in the, in the knockout rounds.
0: Yeah, most definitely with, um, Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell isolating. Of course, they weren't part of the match they scored. Neither was Phil Foden because of uh, perhaps the looming threat of suspension, Alex. But Bakayo Saka and Jack Grealish came into the side. Grealish got the assist and Saka really, I suppose, unlocking the checks to get that move flowing forward in the first place. And Saka winning the, the star of the match, the man of the match award, he sort of really is coming from no one really talking about him all too much and put in a, a huge performance.
1: Yeah, certainly. I think both of them made an impression. And um, the Karasaka, as you say, man of the match, the directness with which he runs. And, and you can had this to Grealish as well. They got the ball and they were straight at the, at the Czech defence. Every, every, every time they were given the opportunity to get on the half turn to, to go forwards, they took it. And I think that's something that we've, we've missed in the opening two games. We, we've been a little bit laissez-faire in that decision. Do they go in attack, or do you just keep the ball and recirculate it? Um, both of those two players—they want the ball, they want to turn, they want to get defenders. And I think it was really refreshing, in many ways, how how they both just went about doing that. It, there wasn't so much thought of, okay, let's keep possession, let's 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 go back and start, restart and move. Okay, there's times when you need to do that. there's times when you need to be smart. But their first thought was always, let's get on the front foot, let's attack, let let's try and do something that's going to create a chance or that's going to cause a problem for their defence. And I, I think both gave the kind of performances where if, you, if you're if you looking ahead to next week, you know, with the Mason Mount situation, perhaps you, you're looking at Foden and you wanted to keep him fresh, but Gareth Southgate's now got the, the thought in his mind that, well, actually, Foden has done okay so far, but Saka really came in and really made an impression. Can you leave either of those two out? Because we know, we know Harry Kane will start up front. We know Raheem Sterling, he's got both England's goals. He's going to start there are two spaces alongside those two. And I think these two are the guys now with the shirts and now I don't think Gareth can leave either out.
0: Yeah. Is it a straight, I was going to come back to you, Adam, on on Mason Mount. Is it going to be a straight shootout between Mason Mount and Jack Grealish in particular? Because it was a subtle tweak that Grealish rather than playing that number 10 role was more sort of on the left-hand side of a midfield three. But I suppose those two players are going to be fighting over that one jersey now.
2: Yeah, I think it's probably fair. And I, I, I do think Grealish is going to hold on to it simply because of the fact that, as we said earlier, Mount isn't going to come out of isolation until Monday night. So in that respect, he's not going to have trained with the team for the best part of a week. He's not going to sort of be up to speed with what the game plan is going into, into Tuesday. So I think it is Grealish's shirt. Um, I mean, from a, personal perspective and obviously covering Chelsea these are the type of games the big games against big opposition is where Mount really does thrive because of his ability to counter press and and his ability to sort of break lines in terms of taking the ball he's very good on a half turn so I think Southgate probably would have liked to have Mount available and, and maybe would have turned to him uh for the knockout games but um I do think it's going to be just because to so say he he played well last night I think he's still got another probably gear or two to go into to be honest um and hopefully, on the biggest stage, we could actually see the, the very best of Jack Grealish, and that'll be a huge bonus for England.
0: Yeah, what's, what's sort of the take, maybe even in that deep midfield role then? Because Calvin Phillips moved back into it last night when Jordan Henderson came onto the pitch. But Alex, it, I can't sort of get my head around Jordan Henderson being a Champions League and Premier League winning captain and a key part of a Liverpool side as well obviously came into the tournament struggling for a bit of fitness, but did appear in warm-up games. He's not started a game yet, yet Harry Maguire came straight in from the off last night. Will Jordan Henderson, do you think, come in for, for the knockout stage?
1: I think so. I think, I think that leadership from both of them is, is very, very important. You know, Harry Kane wears the armband, but I think if you talk to anybody, Jordan Henderson is the, the England captain in many ways. Um, and I think, I think Gareth leans on both of those two and I think we will see both of them start because pure and simple, they have that leadership, they have that experience, um, both, of, both of success and both of heartbreak. They're kind of unfazed by these big occasions. They know, they know what they need to do in terms of preparation, in terms of then being actually out there. Um, and I think the, the simple fact of the matter with Henderson is can we get enough minutes under his belt? They, they got some more under it last night. They got some in the warm-up games. If you were thinking they didn't really need him in the first two games, and and that you want him for the bigger matches, then then that's what's coming now. And if they get, you know, if they get sixty minutes out of him from an opening of a game, that's great. Perhaps even he does start on the bench and in the seventieth minute, you're bringing him on because you're in a tight affair and you've got extra time perhaps coming up, and you want his energy and you want his his leadership on the pitch. Then I think a lot now is going to be made of who is in Southgate starting eleven. I think more importantly is how he uses his substitutes because we are getting into the the real crux of the competition now. And and the prospect of extra time is looming in these big games, which are going to be tight, which are going to be decided either on moments of absolute brilliance or on on moments of of sheer panic and and where somebody makes a mistake. And you need you need guys on the field who can, can rally those around them, who can keep heads, who can ensure that focus isn't lost. And I think, I think Gareth needs to be proactive in using the likes of Henderson and Maguire. I think it's easier just to put Maguire back in because he is a centre-half and he is your number one centre-half. I think Henderson's perhaps a little different in that you can still start with Rice and Phillips or you can even start with one of them and Bellingham. And then you bring Henderson in, depending on how the game's going, being able to say to him, Jordan, look at the game. Where do you think you're needed here? Do, do we need you to be pushing on? Do we need you to just be sitting and keeping the ball and, and setting the tempo? And I think that's something that's going to be important. And and it goes back to what Adam says about Mason Mount and Jack Grealish. If Jack Grealish has given you 70 minutes, yes, Mason Mount won't have have trained. But if you can bring him on for the last 20, half an hour, you say, that can have a big impact. And I I think that use of substitutes now is going to be so important.
0: Yeah, I I think for me, one of the big things is getting the experience on the pitch as well for these knockout stages. Players who have played in these big games and almost Adam building that sort of framework, certainly from the midfield onwards of having your likes of your Henderson in there, Sterling, Kane, we know the two centre-halves who they're going to be, Kyle Walker most likely going to be the right-back in Pickford and then you've got a couple of spots there on the right-hand side, whether it's Foden, whether it's Saka. You've also got another central midfield role as well, Mason Mount, Grealish, Bellingham, we've spoken about them all as well. We've spoken about the depth of this England squad but it's making sure, I suppose, that as I say, that framework and steadiness is built behind them and then we've got those players we can pick and choose between five substitutes so let's not forget that england can change change things from the bench
2: yeah exactly i think the closing team is as, as alex said just going to be as important as the team that starts uh, these games and i think southgate will go with the experienced players you say walker stones maguire henderson Kane, Sterling you know these guys have all you know played Champions League finals big Euro- European games as well so I think as, as, as for that reason alone that they'll start and and maybe you do then have a couple of wild cards. Saka is obviously so young still at 19 but he is maybe that sort of freshness and youth youthful exuberance that maybe does just uh, help England sort of escape the fear a little bit of, of sort of previous tournament failures and, and sort of play with a with a freedom and, and maybe and you have Grealish and I'd quite like to see uh, Grealish really step up and produce because I think we've all seen what he can do, um, and he's to me he seems like the sort of guy who would really relish being put on that big stage and wouldn't wouldn't shirk it. He would really step up and, and appreciate having the spotlight on him. So I'm very very interested to see how Southgate plays the knockout stages, and um, and yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully England do step up and and produce when it's because it's going to be at Wembley, so it's going to be in front of a very expectant crowd.
0: Yeah, and there might even, Alex, be a little wild card called Jaden Sancho ready to be played at some stage. I know he did get some <laughs> brief minutes last night, but still not really seen much of him.
1: No, certainly. It's been it's been a, a strange one. Um I wasn't quite buying Southgate's um line about a lack of experience and him being one of the ex- inexperienced players the other day, given given the amount of appearances and goals and assists and the key role he's played at Borussia Dortmund in the last three years. Um Look, there's a lot of talent at England's disposal in those attacking positions and, and we, we aren't privy to, to what has been seen on the training ground in the lead-up to the tournament. But it does just seem baffling um, that he hasn't had more minutes and more opportunity. Um, the, the, the view from Germany has been, has been quite clear that there's a lot of, of shock and surprise over there that he's, he's not seen any real time. Um, and I think if that's starting to grow here. Because the talent is there, the, the output is clearly there. It, it's just how do you get him into the side and, and what exactly does Gareth Southgate want from him? So, yeah. I, but as you say, it's, it's wonderful to have him up your sleeve if, if necessary. If you've got 10, 15 minutes left and a game needs breaking open, who better to have because you know he can deliver.
0: Yeah, maybe it's because Saka's got that left foot, but I thought it was quite telling yesterday, Adam, that Saka was sort of chosen ahead of Sancho, who, as we say, the output, the numbers he puts up for Borussia Dortmund, absolutely electrifying and the pace he's got too. But, and, and maybe a winger like that would be the best way to service someone like Harry Kane.
2: Yeah, perhaps. And as as Alex said there, Southgate's come the line of experience, but then he selects Saka, who's who's probably had less regular football at a top level than Jadon Sancho has. So um, it is a strange one. I think, especially against Scotland, I, I have no idea why we didn't see Sancho given what he's capable of in terms of one versus one situations. He is a guy who really can go past players and unlock very tight spaces. So if that's a situation England come up against in the knockout stages, maybe in the last 20 minutes of a game, I have sort of no reason to think that Sancho couldn't do it. We haven't necessarily seen the best of him in an England shirt just yet, but he needs opportunities, um, to prove himself. And I think if, if Southgate doesn't take the chance to use Sancho at some point and he ends up joining Manchester United this summer and, and suddenly starring in the Premier League, there's going to be a lot of questions then raised as to, as to why uh, Southgate didn't turn to Sancho in the Euros.
0: Let's move on to Scotland. Then they have unfortunately had to pack their bags and head home. Albeit they were already at Hamden. Three-one defeat to Croatia. Adam, I'll, I'll come to you first up on this, and I just wonder sort of how big the the loss of Billy Gilmore due to having to to isolate was for them, and what now really for him.
2: Yeah, I think it was a big loss. Not necessarily just because I think. The result would have been different I mean it's it would be a lot to expect a 20 year old on his third cap to suddenly sort of dominate a midfield up against Mateo Kovacic and uh, Luka Modric but just from a belief perspective I think Billy Gilmore played so well against England that there was a real sort of energy around him um and a belief that he was the guy that could really sort of make this Scotland team go up a level and and to lose him I think did knock that belief a little bit down so in that respect yeah difficult for, for Scotland to lose him but um it is a tough one for Billy Gilmore to take because he he was keen to, to get into the Scotland squad. He was desperate to get into the Scotland squad. He was willing to go out on loan in January to try and make that happen. Thomas Tuchel said, "No, you're staying here." And eventually gave Gilmore the minutes to, to sort of just about scrape into the squad. And obviously to get into the starting eleven, he, he then did thrive. And yeah, it's it's harsh. It's a harsh one for him to take, but um, it leaves him in an interesting position, I think, going into this summer now because he will return to Chelsea with his status elevated again. Whether or not that means he is uh, pushed up the pecking order at Chelsea in the midfield, I'm not sure, but there is interest in him already sort of increasing from I think Norwich and, and Wolves are already keen and there'll be a couple more Premier League clubs. So um so even though it hasn't worked out for him in the Euros, I think this is still gonna be quite a big summer for for Gilmore in terms of just his all round progression.
0: Yeah, yeah. In terms of Scotland, Alex, and looking at them, they obviously fell behind, not what they needed, but Callum McGregor got them leveled just before half-time and you thought, right, the Hamden and raw's going, they might now really sort of try and help carry them through. And then uh, Luka Modric just steps up and turns into Ronaldinho, curls one in off the outstep of his boot. What a fantastic goal
1: absolutely wonderful I mean he's, he's been a, a wonderful player throughout his career and and he has produced moments where you've seen great goals from him but you, you, it's not been a regular occurrence but this was just this was marvellous this was the sort of goal that made you think why doesn't he score 10-12 goals a season from the edge of the box because the technique was was just sheer quality and it it was a you know you mentioned uh, Callum McGregor scores just for half time and you you're thinking, can, can Scotland really kick on the truth of the matter was that no they couldn't because croatia just had too much experience and too much quality in that central midfield area um, modric and kovacic marcelo brozovic ran the show um, ivan perisic did his usual usual thing of turning up when needed at a big tournament he's got nine goals for croatia in, in 14 tournament matches that's, that's some record that um and and you know we i didn't feel confident in scotland getting a result beforehand purely because they were playing a team with such experience who We'd seen go to the World Cup final in 2018, who know, that, know how to get results, who know how to win big matches. And, and that was just for proof in the pudding. I think Graham Souness post-game was rather critical and rather harsh on Steve Clark. said it was football from a previous age. Um, and I think that is kind of true in, in that they didn't really have that ability to retain possession without Billy Gilmore in midfield. They, they were a little too direct looking for Lyndon Dykes but you had to take into account who they were playing against and it was just a superior team. And and that was pure and simple shown in Modric's goal, a superior player doing something that very few players in that Scotland team would actually be capable of.
0: Yeah, no, but for Scotland, obviously, first tournament in in 23 years, hopefully it's awoken them to coming back to the uh, international tournament stage and they can now sort of kick on from here, albeit, of course, disappointment at heading out in the group stage. Let's get on to today's action then. and, And first up at five o'clock it's Slovakia v Spain and Sweden against Poland their group coming to an end and uh well Adam this one's still wide open and Spain could yet still finish even runners up or even best third place
2: yeah it's not been uh the tournament I think a few people expected uh from Spain so far in the in the first game against Sweden I think they played well without taking their chances whereas in the second game they were just pretty lethargic for for 90 minutes um Saying that, I think their expected goals is something at like five point something. So they've, they've created decent chances, but um, they haven't taken them. And, and perhaps that is down to having Alvaro Alvar Morata, who isn't uh, hugely, hugely consistent in front of goal. Um, yeah, Luis Enrique is coming under quite a bit of, uh, of pressure in Spain now. Uh, I don't think that's a huge surprise given how uh, Spain have performed. And I think the problem for for, for Spain is that They've got a lot of very samey players in that final third. You've got, you know, Pablo Sarabia. You've got um, Gerard Moreno, who came in and, and played well. But uh, there's there's a feeling now that maybe Spain needs something a little bit different in the final third, which kind of then brings you to Adama Traore, who isn't necessarily as talented as the likes of, you know, Thiago and and all these guys. But he does have, as uh, as Alex can attest to as a <laughs> as a Wolves fan, he does have this directness to his game, which. Maybe Spain have lacked in this tournament and I think if he does throw Adama in, maybe that does help unlock Spain because at the moment they, they're they doing a lot of probably what wasn't really expected, you know, in terms of they are dominating the ball, but that wasn't what Luis Enrique Spain was meant to be about necessarily. They were meant to have a bit more verticality to how they attacked um, and maybe Adama trailway does help just uh, bring that to to, to how Spain want to play.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose on the Spanish Euro Digest, they're talking about where we've spoken about Sancho unlocking Harry Kane, Alex. They're talking about Adama putting crosses onto the head of Alvaro Morata because when we did see him do things in the Premier League, it was often as Pillacueta, as chipping the ball onto his head and him him heading them in. He's he's never really been a prolific scorer with his with his feature to say.
1: No, he hasn't. I mean, he's got great qualities, but he, it, it's just that that final touch that seems to be missing so often with him. Um... You know, it kind of epitomized the other night with that miss from Gerard Moreno's penalty that hits the post, rebounds to him and I don't want to be overly critical because the ball is sitting up, it is bouncing, it's not the easiest opportunity, it comes out in quickly. But at this level you've got to score those. And, and if if he does score that, we're, we're sitting here right now and it's a very different conversation. I think the Treore thing i is is so clear with Spain because of as Adam says, with so many sany players. Neat and tidy. They come in, they tuck in around the edge of the box, they play little one twos, they, they try and create those either needle passes to to get a forward clean through. Adam Troy wants to say it wide, he wants the ball given to his feet and he just wants to go and absolutely destroy a fullback. He wants to beat him time and again. He wants to do one step over, go past him, put a cross in. He wants two men to come to him and then he'll try and beat both, or he'll just play a little ball inside which creates space for others. I think it's something that if, if this game is tight tonight, Luis Enrique really needs to look at it and go, okay, half an hour to go, get on there, get on there, go and open that play, go and and stay wide, let us feed you the ball, and then opportunities will come. They'll either come directly from him because of his pace and his skill, or they will come because he's got two men going out to close him every time and they can move the ball quickly across the pitch. I think really in many ways it's a no-brainer to use him. It's just how they use him. I, I don't think you start with him. I think you have to bring him on around around the 60-65 minute mark when the game is a little bit more stretched and a little bit more open. Because obviously Slovakia know that they need to get something too. They, can, they can't lose this game. Um, they need to get a result. So it will eventually open up. It may be a very tight opening where they they just decide to sit back and defend to begin with, but eventually it will open up. And I think that's when he can really step into his own and can give Spain what they need, which is that little bit of directness.
0: Yeah, I think the pitch has been poor in Seville as well, actually, just a, a very small side. Now, Adam, you, you're about to come in there.
1: Yeah, I think
2: there are going to be changes to, to Spain's team today. I think Sergio Busquets is back and available and I'll be uh, stunned if he doesn't just drop in, to be honest. Um, there's also an expectation that Azpilicueta plays at, at, at right back, which may move Marcus Llorente into midfield. And I think that may just help Spain just have maybe a little bit more authority to their possession as well, rather than just knocking it sideways, sideways and being patient. It, Busquets maybe doesn't have the mobility that he once had, but in terms of taking responsibility on the ball and actually trying to progress it, I think he may do that a lot more than than Rodri has so far in this tournament.
0: Yeah, also in that group, chance to see Alexander Isak again. He's been brilliant so far in the tournament. But quickly, very quickly, before we go, we're fastly running out of time, but Portugal v France and Germany v Hungary, of course, the game in Germany, uh, the Allianz Arena, UEFA have denied Germany wanting to uh, put the rainbow flag on the Allianz Arena, which really sort of Seems to be a very poor decision. But in terms of the, the, the footballing aspect, guys, of course, England will play the runners up of this group. Alex, I'll come to you first. How do you A see it playing out? And, and B, England therefore facing in the last 16? Um
1: I think we can we can pretty much all agree here that Germany will be hungry. I, I don't see any way in which in which Hungary get a result in Munich. And I think Germany really hit their stride against Portugal um in the last game, quite how how Fernando Santos decided he didn't need to change his formation, he didn't need to track track Robin Goosens at all, was, was baffling and Germany made the most of it. Um, and I think they will really carry on from there and, and should put Hungary to the sword on home soil. As for the other game, I think that's a lot tighter because we've, we've seen Portugal produce a really good performance and then we've seen them be far too open and just be absolutely destroyed. I think they go back to their most pragmatic tonight. I think they go very very defensively minded and just try and get the job done. Um, whereas I think France have have come up for a little bit of criticism after the draw in Hungary, um, especially having won in Germany in the opening. I think Didier Deschamps is under a little bit of, not pressure, but there are a few questions about, you brought back Karim Benzema and it's not quite working. Um, have Has he kind of changed things where perhaps they didn't need change in the old adage that if it's not broke, don't fix it? Um And I think that's going to be really tight. I think the first goal there is, you know, it always is crucial, but it's going to be so crucial tonight. If Portugal get it, they'll just sit back and they'll just say, come on, try and break us down. We know we're going through at this point. If France get it and Portugal have to come out, because they'll only be on three points and I'm not really 100% certain that that's going to be enough to get them through, then it will really open up that game. Um, And we will see plenty of Cristiano Ronaldo histrionics, no doubt, if that is what is occurring. Um, I think you have to look at France. So I think with that team, with the quality they have in attack and in defence, you do make them favourites. And I'd be inclined to believe that they will just about get the job done tonight and book their place.
0: Yeah, it'll be a sort of crucial one, I suppose, Adam, for Didier Deschamps having the sort of courage of his convictions to have brought Benzema back into the fold to keep him, as opposed to maybe turning to Olivier Giroud, who, of course, did so well for them during the World Cup.
2: Yeah, as Alex said, he, he's taken this, this move to move away from probably what made France world champions. And it hasn't worked out thus far. We haven't very, we haven't really seen the best of Benzema at all. And, um, and maybe they're, you know, against a, a Portugal side who may sit back and deep, you, you'd maybe think, I'll oh, bring in Oli because that's, kind of against the teams he thrives when he can sort of just pin defenders and and link play with with Mbappe and Griezmann. And that's probably where you're going to get the best of Giroud. But I would be very surprised if if Deschamps ditches the Benzema experiment just yet, uh, partly because, you know, it's only had two games and partly because I think it opens up a lot of problems for him as well, if he was to do it. Um, But it will be... An interesting game and I think France will probably just about get the job done um, and that leaves Portugal uh, in a bit of a tricky situation going into the knockout stages but as we said earlier at Euro 2016 they didn't have a great uh, group stage and they went on to win the thing So, uh, so they can always step up.
0: Yeah, potentially England v Germany in the last 16 at Wembley. That would be something to rub your hands over. Well, anyway, that's all we've time for here on this edition of the Euro Digest. Do remember, if you want to subscribe to the Football Digest channel, do just head to Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your audio on demand. Hit subscribe and every episode will come directly to you. But from myself, Guy Clark, Alex Richardson, Adam Newson. thanks for your time and your company. Bye for now.